Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sports and where we explore sports beyond the competition arena. I am your host, Jesse Marsh. And today we got a very special guest, former teammate of mine at Villanova University, Chris Painter, and is now, you know, probably one of the youngest head coaches in the country of probably any sport, if not the youngest at 24 years old, coach at Wilkes University, has some coach there. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's uh, awesome to be on the podcast here with you today. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this. So Chris, tell me a little bit about your swimming journey. How'd you get into the sport? I would say I was kind of a, a late starter. I didn't start swimming till I was about 10 years old. I was a multi-sport athlete before that doing track, football, baseball, those other sports that every little kid wants to do. And then I moved to Hershey, actually, and my first couple friends there were actually swimmers. So they kind of convinced me into joining then. So I was swimming since I was 10. When I first started, I probably wasn't the greatest swimmer. I stuck with it. And as I started getting a little older, getting into high school and stuff, I kind of started taking the sport a little more seriously. I dropped track. I dropped cross country, all the, all the other sports I was doing so I could solely focus on swimming. And then get finally, probably like my sophomore, junior year of high school, finally starting to see some pretty good results and seeing that my times could kind of get me into college swimming. That kind of solidified what I wanted to do with the sport moving forward and really forced me to kind of hunker down and motivate myself to accomplish that goal that I had then and there of swimming in college. So uh, it definitely was a long journey, but I'm very happy that swimming is the sport that I decided to stick with out of everything that I had going on. It's brought me a ton of new friends, a ton of very close friends, and has really taught me a lot of good life lessons. And it definitely has some terrible downs with the sport, but it has also brought me some of my happiest days as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely sounds like an incredible journey, just getting from, you know, starting late and then, you know, getting to end up being a Division One college swimmer. So why did you decide to drop track and cross country for swimming? Because I'm guessing you probably had some, you know, if you were doing those sports first, you probably had some pretty high aspirations in those sports. Yes, I've always been around track. Track was probably my first sport. My dad was a track coach, so I was always at track meets when I was younger. I was running indoor track when I was like six or seven. So track had been something that was a part of my life for a long time. And I think when I got to high school and swimming kind of started taking over, I kind of just realized that swimming was my true love. It was my passion. As much as track had been in my life for so much longer, there was just something about swimming that, that kind of made me want to stick with it. There was something about that being in the water swimming with my teammates, doing competitions, traveling to away meets. There was just something that I loved so much about all of that. It kind of just made me want to have swimming be my primary sport. And track of my last couple years of high school was more of kind of like a, an off-season thing for swimming. I kind of take a little break from swimming for two to three months, get my track season in, and then it was right back into swimming as soon as track ended. So I love track for all my life. I still do. I still coach it a little bit. But swimming it, it kind of took over yeah it's a definitely a tough commitment and that's the tough part when you know you're doing multiple sports but then you just got some when you want to do it in the college level you got to pick one so you know thinking about going into college like looking at swimming in college did you ever think that you were going to be a division one swimmer was that the first when you started looking at colleges was it firstly division one or did it just kind of come as you were going along in the recruiting process division one started to be a reality for you? 
Yeah, so I would say I, I kind of started, I had huge dreams and goals as every athlete does in high school. They all want to go to those huge Division One programs. They want to be the best. But, you know, I, I had those recruiting phone calls and kind of quickly learned that uh, where I was at wasn't what those schools were looking for. I remember my first call with Florida, which was my dream school. I got told that I could be on the club team. So that was kind of a big smack in the face that I kind of wasn't at that tier yet of swimmers. So I kind of started after that looking at Division Three, Division Two. You know, my dad used to work at Dickinson College. So that was a school that I looked at and went on a visit there. And then I wouldn't say until honestly, I got my phone call from Villanova in January that I wasn't really looking at a Division One program really that much. I didn't think I was at that tier of athlete, but you know, there's always those schools that, that kind of find you and, and you they come out of the blue and it ends up being the best thing that's happened to you. And after I got that phone call from Villanova, I know I had like a couple looks from UConn and Bucknell, but nothing really serious was going on there. So Villanova was kind of my saving grace. They showed me that I could swim at the Division One level and that I could be successful at the Division One level as well. Yeah, I definitely know the feeling about like having those big dreams and like looking at those big schools. I remember my first email I got was from Cornell and I was like really excited about like looking into them. And I remember emailing the coach a few months after I got that first email. He's like, yeah, you're not good enough for this team. Like you're going to have to try and walk on if you get into the school. I was like, there's no way I'm getting into Cornell. So that just kind of that just kind of humbled me a lot. And just kind of had to start looking at smaller schools from there on out. But yeah, you ended up working out pretty well for the most part with going to Bonova, especially early on, enjoyed a pretty successful career. You know, almost got a team Big East title, got a few relay Big East titles there, got some Big East final placings. And, but, you know, it's definitely, you know, just knowing from experience, being your teammate, you know, it's definitely an up and down experience. You know, you started out well and then just with injuries that really derailed a lot of, you know, that Villanova career. But just wanted to talk to you a little bit more about that and like you kind of talking about your experience there. Yeah. So, you know, going into sophomore season, I would say sophomore year was just very excited to get back in. My freshman season went pretty well, got some best times, hit some times that I did not think I was capable of. So that was very surprising. So that kind of set up. My sophomore year, I was just had such high expectations, was ready to go. And we get three weeks into the season and my shoulder kind of just isn't cooperating. So we get that checked out by our sports med people. And it turns out that I had three tears in my shoulder and my labrum. And that kind of shut me down for most of the year. So I, for the first half of the season, I don't think I took a stroke until the end of November right before we were getting ready to go to mid-season. So I was kicking for three months straight, which I think really kind of helped my training that season. It really helped me with my underwaters, body line position, everything like that, kind of just focusing solely on kicking and doing some core and dry land stuff when I could. So then getting into that mid-season meet without swimming for three and a half months, I really didn't know what was going to happen, but we were ended up being right on top of some of my personal best. So that was very reassuring. So then went into that last half of the season and crawled our way to Big East, basically, and ended up swimming uh, lifetime best all at Big East, placed top 
in the A final for all my events, except 100 free were ninth, but medaled in the 50 free and the 100 fly. Again, the two free relay won, split 19 in that. So that was exciting. It was just a crazy meet after such a crazy year. And then coming off of that meet, I ended up getting surgery that off season, but I went into that surgery kind of with high hopes. Like I was happy. I knew I had finished a hard season and finished it the best I could. And then was still excited because we were getting the surgery done in May. So I was going to be ready to go by the time the sophomore year came up. So then we kind of came in and things definitely didn't start the way we wanted them to. I had a lot of setbacks come trying to get back into the water. Again, didn't swim really at all the first half of the season. Just the shoulder wasn't cooperating. Physical therapy wasn't going the greatest. So and we were coming into the season uh, just with high hopes with uh, hopes of winning events, uh, you know, placing fourth in the 100 fly as a sophomore. The goal was to come back and get the gold that year in the 100 fly and uh, move up in the 50 free as well. Um, so kind of having that experience, not being able to get back in the water, I ended up redshirting that junior year. It never came around. It never worked. And the shoulder just was on and off throughout the whole season. And there was no way I was going to be able to train enough to be able to compete. So it was definitely very tough. And I would say as much as it was struggle-wise trying to get back in the pool, the mental side of that was insane. Just trying to fight with, I couldn't do what I loved. I couldn't do what was my de-stressor for the day, what kind of helped me relax and something that I looked forward to. It was kind of stripped away from me. So I was kind of in an identity crisis for a little bit. Didn't know what I was doing. Still had classes and stuff to do, but it, it was so hard and difficult to even concentrate on those because my mind was always just on, am I going to be able to swim? How much pain am I in today? How much sleep am I going to get? It, it was just all over the place. And my shoulder still isn't fine today. We kind of made it through that senior year again, barely swam the first half of the season and, and didn't get back in until after January and just kind of had to tough it out for that last conference championship meet. Still ended up meddling in some events, so that was pretty awesome, but definitely kind of a big if what would have happened if we were healthy with the shoulder and everything like that. But it definitely was a very hard struggle mentally, physically, just trying to get back into the pool. But I was very happy that I, I kind of had the team that I had around me. You guys were very supportive. The coaches were supportive. So that definitely helped a ton because there was a lot of times where I just wanted to go home or I wanted to even thought about quitting the sport. But having you and the teammates and my roommates around kind of really helped push me towards just keep on fighting through and trying to make the most out of every single day out of all those bad situations. So I would say that's kind of how those injuries can kind of derail your seasons and they can throw you for a loop. But if you have those the correct team around you and you're in the right place, a place that you can truly call home, it can definitely make the most out of those bad situations. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's a crazy journey. And it was like, it was great that you were able to come back and kind of end on your terms as well. Because sometimes the injuries is not really how you want to end your career on an injury. But it was great that you were able to come back and and be able to swim last couple of meets and get that senior season in. It's honestly crazy to me that, you know, you didn't swim for half, like sophomore year, you didn't swim for half a season and then come back and then just go swim best times. And it's just really weird in this world. It's kind of like during the COVID pandemic, you'd see a lot of people going best times with like taking a few months off, like not doing much like 
these high yardage training sessions. And it just kind of makes you think like, do I really need to do these 20 plus hours a week of training? Or do I need to do these like three hour practices of just straight swimming? Like that kind of just like makes you really rethink of, or it could just be like, honestly, like adrenaline, like you're not putting expectations on yourself. So it's just really interesting to see, like very interesting to see how the sport evolves in that way too, where, you know, where we're seeing people who don't swim as much, like swim the fastest that they ever have sometimes. I know senior year with the COVID, we had the fifth year of eligibility and you elected not to take that fifth year. What was the thought process in that? Because, you know, you said you had a shortened season. You're able to come back at the end of your senior season, swim that Big East meet. But you had an opportunity to potentially do another, you know, get a full season in which you hadn't gotten in since your freshman year. What was your thought process behind whether or not to take it? Yeah, so, you know, I just had to weigh so many options. I had to decide whether or not I wanted to come back for school, if I wanted to go into graduate school or not, and start that right away. And then I just had to think about my mental and physical health. A swim season is long, and it's a lot of hours, a lot of dedication, and a lot of stress on your body. And, you know, my shoulder wasn't holding up. I had gotten the second surgery done after my senior conference meet. So they had to go back in and clean some things up again. And I think as much as I kind of look back on it, and I know I could have done some better things if I had a full season. You know, I just didn't want to put myself through another year of potentially injuring it again and going through the same thing for a sixth year. And I just had to kind of decide to step over to the coaching side of things from that point, just because, again, mentally and physically, it was just going to be a lot. Even if things went 100% and the shoulder was perfectly healthy, we had great practices, great season. It's just still a whole nother season of swimming and competing. And I think I went into that senior conference meet knowing I had an additional year, knowing that this was kind of just going to be it. I was going to swim this last conference meet and see what comes out of it. And, you know, it. I think we had some positive outcomes, hitting a best time in the 50, meddling in with some relays and meddling in some individual events. I think I ended it how I wanted to, and I didn't want to risk maybe going back for another year and things end up for the worst instead of ending with that kind of culmination of everything at that senior meet. Yeah. So it was definitely a choice for the better, I think now. I mean, I still think about trying to compete, maybe going masters or something, but that would be something that's a little more chill, a little more low key than division one going in there and cranking out six practices a week and getting after it. So I definitely do still think about it, but I think I made the correct decision in moving on to coaching and being on the other side of the sport. Yeah, definitely. I want to go back to just talking about, yeah, even like talking about the mental side of things. And you kind of touched upon it a little bit, but, you know, there's two years where you didn't like you weren't able to compete at all. Or even I think even more than two years, it might have been almost three years where you just weren't able to compete at all. And like, how did you kind of go to the, you know, being able, I'm sure you took breaks in those times, but for the most part, you were still coming to practice. You were still trying to do as much as you could. Like, how were you able to just keep your, you know, your head in there to say, I'm going to be able to be back. I'm going to be able to swim at least one more meet. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say a big part of that definitely was, again, being able to be around the team a lot and trying to surround myself with them as much as I could. Because there's definitely times during that where you kind of feel alone. 
because you're doing your your dry lands and your core and stuff out on the pool deck, but you're not in the water with everyone. You're not suffering through those yardages with everybody. You kind of feel a little bit outside. You kind of feel a little a little left out. But I think that's kind of part of what being a Division One athlete is, is being strong mentally because Division One athletics isn't for everybody. You can have the most talent in the world. You could be the fastest swimmer, but there's just another side to it besides being physically gifted and strong. You have to be mentally strong as well because there's a lot that Division One athletics asks of you. And so if you're not locked in, if you're not mentally strong enough to get through every single day, you're going to get eaten up in Division One swimming, especially. So just kind of knowing that I had my own goals and goals that I hadn't reached yet, so I couldn't give up, that kind of just kept me busy. It kind of kept me on the right path, especially when I, there were definitely days where I started to deviate a little bit, kind of questioning what I was doing. Why am I still swimming? Why am I putting myself through this? But then realizing that like I set out on a goal, I wanted to either break team records or I wanted to hit this time mark. I wasn't going to give up until I had a shot at accomplishing that. I wasn't going to give up until I had a chance at those meets. So going through those dry land sessions by myself, going through runs on myself, being in the sports med room, going through physical therapy for two hours a day, it was kind of just, it was a lot and it kind of adds up. But just knowing that having those goals in front of you and then also being able to speak to teammates about it and speak to your coaches. I would speak to our trainers about it all the time. Just having that extra outside help or just having someone to listen definitely helps. But again, it still kind of falls down on you. You still have to be a mentally strong person. You have to have that it factor that when no one else is there, no one else is watching, you're still going to push yourself and do the things you know, there may be some days where shoulders hurting a little extra, but you're still going to kind of push through because you know you have to kind of go through some of that pain. You have to go through some of those tough times to be able to accomplish what you want to accomplish, especially with an injury. You're going to be in pain kind of no matter what. And until the season's over, when you can actually rest, you're going to be pushing through some things. So kind of just knowing that that was going to happen and having those difficult conversations with trainers and coaches kind of just let me know, all right, this is the path I'm going down. I know I'm going to encounter some rough spots, but you kind of have to stick through it and kind of just put your head down and go. And there were a lot of days where it messed with my mood. It messed with how I was doing in school, but I think it was all worth it because I knew what I had to accomplish and what kind of goals I was working towards. Yeah, you definitely touched on a lot of things that are really important, really important for you know a lot of athletes. You know, any athlete that's listening to this that, you know, they really should take away from it. You know, first thing, like Division One athletics, you're spot on that. It's really not for everyone. Just knowing from experience and just seeing so many, I've seen so many athletes who are way more talented than me, or they went to these big schools, they went to these programs, had really high hopes, and then they just really couldn't make it. Because it's like, you're kind of on your own, as you were kind of saying, you know, you're kind of on your own at that point where, you know, you don't have your parents really to fall. You're kind of dealing with some lot of stuff by yourself. You're kind of going through a lot of different things at the same time. And then when you have an injury, you have the mental side of things going on. It can get to be a lot. And, you know, it's just a testament to you that you were able to push through it. And then being able to come back, you know, even though it was like so many years later, you're able to come back and, you know, get back to where you were by the end. 
let's talk about you've finished out your swimming career and now you're you know you went to coaching like decided to keep in the sport when did you think that you wanted to be a coach when did that come to mind yeah so i would say i kind of knew i wanted to at least stick around sport and be a coach probably back in 2018 2019 i started coaching or helping coach with my parents track club and just being able to be around those athletes and help them work through things whether it's something technique wise or they're having trouble executing a race they're having trouble getting in the right mindset doing all that stuff for kids on that track club it kind of just brought me so much joy and especially to see them achieve their goals and know that I kind of helped them with that or at least was there along the way with them as they accomplished those things it just made me feel so warm like it was awesome to see that it was awesome to see them finish across the line and see their times and know they hit a PR and see the big smile on their face and them cheering like that just feeling of seeing them accomplish that was so rewarding so once I finished out swimming at Villanova, I kind of knew that I wanted to at least stick around swimming in some sort of way. And I was very thankful that Hobart William Smith Colleges kind of offered me an assistant coaching job to help with their swim team. So yeah, I would say it's definitely starting with my parents track club really kind of started my love for coaching. Yeah. And you've had a pretty quick rise. I mean, you know, one year as an assistant coach and then right now in the think of things being a head coach of your own program, like you have a program that you're leading. So tell me a little bit how like that transition to Wilkes came about. Yeah. So finishing up my first season as an assistant coach, I wasn't really thinking too much of leaving or kind of even stepping into the head coaching role. I was kind of looking around for a couple of jobs, but wasn't really too serious uh, about moving away or even moving up. But then, you know, I, the head coaching job at Wilkes opened up and my parents were kind of like, oh, you should just apply and see what happens. So, you know, I ended up applying there, heard back from them pretty quickly, and they got me on campus in like within a week or two of having a little phone chat with them. But honestly, as soon as I stepped on campus there, I, I kind of fell in love with it. Everyone was so welcoming there. You could see there was so much potential just with what the campus had to offer with the facilities that they have. And then getting to meet with the team, it was awesome. You could just feel the energy that they had. They were so excited to finally be having a new coach, someone who would care for them, someone who would lead them down the right path. They wanted to succeed. They wanted to be good. They wanted to do the tough work and become successful swimmers because I don't think that that was something that they had had in the past. So that definitely drew me towards them. And then the school as well was just beautiful and again had the good academic programs good community good atmosphere so it was almost kind of like a perfect fit and it was only an hour and a half from home for me so i would be right down the road parents could always come up i could always go back home whenever to see them so it was kind of a perfect situation and once they kind of offered me in may it was kind of a situation that i couldn't turn down everything that i had been dreaming of I was kind of slapped in the face a little bit because I wasn't expecting it all to come so soon, but I'm very happy that the opportunity presented itself and I'm very happy that I accepted it because this year has been amazing. Like I tell a lot of people, it was probably the the best and in a good way, the easiest first year as a coach I probably could ask for. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, 
sounds like a really crazy ride. I mean, you know, being 23 years old, I'm about to turn 23. I don't know if I'm like looking at jobs. I'm like, I don't know if I apply to a head coaching position. Like, I don't know. Like, it takes a lot of confidence and it takes a lot to just think I'm like, oh, I'm 23. Like, I'm just going to apply to like a lot of people would like do stuff like that as a joke. But I don't know. If I, like, I don't think I'd ever look at a job, like a head coaching job and be like, hey, no matter where it was, I'm like, I'm not going to apply to this. Like, I don't think I'm, I'm saving myself the, the headache of doing that. So, you know, really hats off to you for, you know, taking that leap, taking that jump and look, it really paid off for you. And just like thinking about that, a lot of coaches when they're starting now, like they're looking to go, you know, think about a timeline where, you know, it's like a few years as an assistant coach, like you're looking at the bigger schools to get experience at those bigger schools, like being an assistant volunteer assistant, and then just kind of working your way up the ranks, like following kind of like a blueprint, there's kind of just kind of been a blueprint that's like unofficially set out. Was that something that was in your mind before, like when you were trying to do that, like job searching process? Or were you like, I'm going to take any opportunity that kind of comes to me? Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely went in to my first assistant coaching job, kind of thinking I would be there for two, three years, maybe at least. And then kind of see if I could either move up to a higher division, maybe become um, an assistant coach, you know, at a division two or division one program and kind of learn some how things kind of work in those divisions on the coaching side, see some differences. And, you know, I did apply for those other assistant coaching jobs. You know, I looked at the assistant coaching job for UPenn. I looked at the assistant coaching job for an Elizabethtown College. It's not like I was just going to, again, just kind of jump to the head coaching position. I kind of realized I had to, you kind of have to do your time a little bit before you kind of step up into that role. And, you know, I almost accepted the assistant job at UPenn. If Wilkes hadn't contacted me two days earlier, I probably would have taken the assistant job at UPenn. But again, that's kind of just how the things fell. It was a perfect situation. They had the job opening at the right time. They contacted me at the right time. And it all kind of ended up working out. And I'm very thankful for how things have played out. I mean, I'm sure assistant coaching at UPenn or at one of those other colleges would have been great too. It would have been great experiences as those are all great programs. But I think taking this head coaching job has kind of set me up very nicely and has helped me grow a lot. It does take a lot of confidence to be in that role. You're in charge of everything and especially being with a team where some of the kids are only a year or two younger than me. It was a little weird at first, but you know, you just have to be confident in what you're doing and they kind of react to that. They see that I've come from that Division One program and they see what kind of training I'm doing. So just being straightforward with them with everything and being honest, it kind of helped me earn their respect and has led to a great relationship between me and the team. And I think that's really showed in how their performances has gone this year and with how we have our recruiting and stuff going and how the program's set up now for next year and the next couple of years. So it definitely has been awesome and it has really helped me grow as a person, especially. So again, very thankful for how things have played out there. Definitely. And just thinking about where, you know, you kind of pay your dues, you kind of do your time in assistant positions for a while, since you kind of just kind of got thrown into it, like only a year of college coaching experience and then now our head coach. Usually you kind of take that time to, you're talking to other coaches, you kind of take that time to learn from different coaches, those head coaches at those bigger programs, those people who have been in the positions for a long time. 
How were you able to kind of develop a coaching philosophy that quickly to be able to lead a program? Because that's pretty impressive because you didn't really have many people to model off of like being on deck with. Where'd you kind of draw your inspiration in coaching from? Yeah, so I would say I definitely got a lot from my club coach. You know, I've been around him for the past eight years. So he's definitely been a lot of help. I still go talk to him just about practices or about how to deal with certain situations. So he's been a great help with a lot of things. And then I also kind of just talk to my parents too, because they're coaches and they've also been through athletics. They were college athletes, so they know kind of how things go. So kind of just chatting with them, you know, about how to deal with certain situations and how to be confident in my abilities and confident in what I'm teaching because I've been through it myself. So that was definitely having those conversations with my parents and with my club coach have helped a lot. But, you know, I kind of still had my own kind of philosophy. It still kind of came down to me and what I wanted to do. I could have those conversations as much as I wanted, but I'm still the head coach, so I still got to do what I think is best. And so, you know, kind of just being very personable and very open with everyone on the team, um, especially since it was a little bit of a smaller group, I feel like that has kind of helped a lot. We kind of talk about everything. We talk about recruiting. We talk about how I want practices to be designed. I talk about what we're going to be working on throughout the week. Just very open with everything that I kind of want to see happening and what we're going to do as a team and build this program. We've all kind of been a part of it together. And so that's definitely been something that I know the swimmers have reacted to very well. They like being a part of things. They like knowing what's going on and how they can kind of help and how they can help build this program into what they want it to be and how I see it growing. Because again, I'm the head coach and I, and I run it, but it's their team. It's their program. They are the ones who are going to be in it for the next four years. And they're the ones who are going to grow it into what we all want it to be. So just keeping them a part of it has gone very well. And that's something that I plan on continue doing. But it also helps them kind of mature a little quicker, especially with those first years coming in. But it helps them realize all of our team goals, what the goals that we want to accomplish, and it helps them get on board right away. So everyone's on that on the same page the first day of practice. We all know what we're trying to accomplish. We all know what we're trying to get done. And we all know what kind of swimmers we're trying to bring on to the program when we're having official visits. So everyone kind of knows what to look for in a recruit, what I'm looking for in a recruit, so they can also keep an eye out for that as well. So that's kind of how we've run this year so far, and then it's gone very well. I think moving forward, it's going to help even more, especially as the team grows, because then we'll have more kids, but then everyone will be on the same page again, and everyone will have those same goals moving forward. So I think it'll be very nice to do, especially as we get more kids on the team. Talk to me a little bit about the recruiting. Obviously, you're looking for times, like certain times that different people have to hit. But what are some of the other things you're looking at when you're doing recruiting, when you're looking, you know, people that are reaching out to you, summer, high school swimmers that are reaching out to you? What are you kind of looking for to kind of continue to grow the team, continue to grow the culture? Yeah, so I would say something that I kind of have, a topic that I bring up with, recruits in our phone calls or if they come to campus, just talking to them in person is how confident they are because I'm going to be asking a lot of them, especially as a first year coming in, because in a growing program, you're looking for kids who can come in and make an impact right away. So someone who's going to be confident in what they do, 
someone who's going to be ready to score points right away, get thrown into that situation as a first year, be traveling to all the meets, be in those finals for a conference championship meet, have that mental toughness to be able to, to grind some events out. Because, you know, those first years that you're going to be asked to swim maybe an event or two that isn't in their primary two or three, just so they can kind of grab some points here and there, especially in a dual meet. So finding kids who are mentally tough and aren't scared of the moment, someone who's going to be confident in what they're doing is definitely something that we're really looking for in an athlete and a recruit. And then also someone who is going to be ready to work. So, you know, asking what their club training looks like, what they're kind of used to, whether that's some weightlifting, some dry lands, and then what they're doing in the water as well. So we kind of know what kind of athlete we're getting, what they're used to. Are they going to shy away from tough practices? Just stuff like that. So confident swimmer and someone who who really wants to work and become better because those kids are easy to work with. You know, you can throw them the toughest set and if they want to get better, they're going to put their head down and they're going to accomplish what they set out to do. And that's all a coach can really ask for from their athletes is someone who's going to try their hardest to accomplish their goals and to get things done. And whatever the result is of that is what it is, but at least they tried their hardest. So that's definitely some of the traits that we definitely want on our team and will really help this culture grow that we're trying to build here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And just thinking about, you're probably one of the you know very few Black head coaches and very few Black coaches in college swimming and there's really, you know, a lack of representation both on the coaching and, you know, obviously on the athletic side, as we both know. How does it feel, you know, as a black man to be in that position and being able to have the opportunity to kind of change that narrative, both on the coaching side and then also, you know, with the athletes you recruit and maybe some of the programming you're doing around, you know, Wilkes? Yeah. So at Wilkes, especially being a black coach, but being a black swim coach, I think it has been very, very important that we kind of go out and kind of support our community and support our university. So as a coach, we kind of get out there. I get the team out there and we do a lot of community service. Uh, We do a lot to help the community, especially those who are maybe not have these certain privileges that others do. So doing what we can to help those people who are less fortunate. We have done some community service throughout the year. And we do some volunteering. So we do our part there to kind of help out where we can. And then I would say I kind of just feel blessed to be able to have this opportunity and kind of show that it is possible for Black individuals to be able to be successful in the swimming world and be successful in the coaching world as well. We don't have to kind of shy away from swimming just because it's stereotypically a sport that's not for us. We can be successful. And, you know, we have those individuals who kind of shine through at the top. You know, you've got swimmers like Reese Whitley. You've got swimmers like David Curtis who are kind of stepping up and they're at the forefront of the sport and they're at the forefront being a black individual. So I I think those people as well are kind of showing that we can be successful in swimming and we can have a voice in swimming as I know they have done their part as well and have played a big role in having a voice for us in this sport. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm really, really glad to hear that doing this volunteer work, doing that community service, because I think that there's more important, you know, you have that you're a part of the team and you're, you know, you're there to swim, but 
you know, it's more important than that. The world's bigger than that. And we see how sports is so interconnected with all different walks of life, all different parts of society. So that's just really great to hear. And this would be my last question. You're building this program. You're trying to build it into something pretty big. There's going to be a time where you move on from Wilkes. What type of legacy, what do you hope to leave once you're done your tenure at Wilkes? Yeah, so, you know, I would love to definitely accomplish winning or competing for a conference championship would be awesome. But I think as an actual, how my swimmers kind of see me as a person and the legacy that I leave behind at Wilkes, just something that I hope they remember me as someone who pushed them to their limits and pushed them to surpass them. You're not going to be loved by every single one of your swimmers. And I'm sure there's coaches that, you know, you didn't have the greatest relationship with, but you know that they got the best out of you no matter what. You might have had some bump-ins with them every once in a while, but they knew how to drive you and they knew how to help you succeed. And so I hope my swimmers kind of remember me as someone who always strived for them to be better. I always strive to get the best out of them and, you know, try to pull something out of them that they didn't see was there. Show them that they are truly better than they actually think they are. I think that would be awesome to have my swimmers kind of remember me as that and know that they push themselves to become not just better swimmers, but better people as well as I was their coach and was with them through their journey in college. That's great to hear. That's awesome, man. There's one last thing. What's some advice that you give to someone looking to compete in swimming just generally and even more so looking to compete at the collegiate level, you know, through having that experience yourself? Yeah, so I would definitely say make sure when you're looking at teams and stuff, make sure that that team is excited. Make sure that they are fun to be around, that the team isn't kind of like split up into groups or, you know, there's team drama going on. There's people that hate each other on the team or people talk down about other people on the team. It's good to have that good competitive spirit among your teammates, but you don't want it to go to a point where you're like wishing your teammates do bad so you can beat them. Go to a team, again, like I said, it is exciting and is excited for their future as a team because there's some teams where you can kind of get on there and just feel the excitement that's there and feel that they are excited for the upcoming year and to see how great themselves do, but also how their teammates are going to do. So find that team that kind of has a little spark going, has a fire behind them, and that is just happy to be at that campus and have the opportunity to swim. Because having those kind of teammates around you is something that you're not going to find at every school. So making sure that you have a team like that is definitely a high priority because it can make swimming so much more enjoyable and it can make your goals that much more attainable. Definitely, definitely. All really great points. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time today to speak with me. It was really great conversation, really. And thanks for everyone for tuning in. Chris, if someone wants to get in touch with you about Wilkes, learn more about the opportunities, what are different ways that they can reach out? Yeah, so they can go through Wilkes University Athletics and they can find our swimming page and my phone number and email are on there. And that would probably be the best way to reach out. We also are on Instagram and Facebook. Our Instagram is WilkesU underscore swim. You can follow us along there. We post a ton of stuff about our season, about how recruiting's going. And then once we get into competitions and stuff, there's a post 
all the time about how the meets go and stuff like that. So those are some easy ways to kind of get in contact with myself and just with the team in general. Sounds great. Thank you so much again. And you guys heard it there. If you guys are interested in Wilkes, that's where you reach out. Thank you so much again, Chris. Thank you. It's been awesome.